0: This podcast contains potentially adult language, adult themes, definitely drinking, and possibly sexual context. Listener discretion is advised. Okay, welcome to Drinking with Authors, the Literary Briefs edition. I am your host, Erica Lance, and my co-host today is... Vanessa Valiente, And our guest today is Danielle Orsino. I remember how to say it correctly. Woo! Woo, 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 Because I've been drinking. Okay, let's talk about what we're drinking. I'm drinking Blue Moon Honey Days out of a can. Nice. Nothing
1: wrong with that? (laughs) Yeah. (laughs) Vanessa, let's talk about what you're drinking. I'm drinking 19 Crimes, and this time I brought the bottle with me, which for some reason I was thinking they were all, like, serial killers, but apparently it's each – this one was declared by his majesty to be punishable on conviction by transportation, which was to Australia. So rather than death, he was excommunicated, but I, again, I don't know. That was a fate worse than death.
0: The English shipping people to Australia, that was a criminal colony. I mean,
1: I mean, I I guess that's better than death. Go to a beautiful Island, you know, you know, have you what seen the creatures it? in Australia? That wasn't a... a mm. Was it? Actually. I don't know. I mean, when I think of Australia, I'm thinking all the nice stuff, so I don't no, know. They, what...
0: they shipped people in... Cr- they shipped criminals in the insane to the island and would just drop them off there.
2: No bueno. Oh, okay. So it was like
0: Lord of the flies, survival of the
1: fittest. I retract my earlier statement, but I mean... And yeah. I just pissed off yeah. everybody in Australia. So go I'm team. I'm sorry. <laughs> Danielle, what are but, you drinking? But yes, it is. If you like red wine, it's. I think it's a blend of things, but it's it's mighty delicious. Nice. Yes. Danielle, what are you
2: drinking? I'm drinking Barefoot's Riesling.
1: Mm. I feel Yay. like the bottle has not gone down very much. I'm just saying as a sponsor. I, I, I'm bottle, a
2: slow sipper. I'm well,
1: sorry. Your to be fair, isn't it normally bigger than the average wine bottle, anyways?
2: It is, it's a pretty big bottle. I mean, yeah, yeah. yeah so, no, Erica, bottle.
1: in your face, it's not a normal size bottle. And I of have a big glass.
0: glass. That's what we said to both of those
1: <laughs> things. Okay,
0: literary Bam. brief, rapid fire questions why I'm not okay. allowed to be around people under the age of 18. Danielle, what is your favorite book of all time?
2: Hop on Pop because it's the first book I learned to read by myself.
1: Oh, so it was a kid's book?
2: Yep, by Dr. Seuss. Aww. That was the first book that I could read by myself. So if I didn't learn how to read, I couldn't write.
1: Okay, well well then, can you throw in your favorite adult book?
2: Uh, My favorite adult book, Queen of the Damned by Anne Rice.
1: Ooh.
2: Yeah, that's my favorite.
1: I bet you don't like the movie, do you? No,
2: I didn't like the movie. Sorry, didn't like the movie. Well, do you they think did it you're wrong. Thinking
0: about that movie with Stuart Townsend with his shirt off.
2: Mm, well. Stuart Townsend was not a bad Lestat, though. Let's say that he was not bad. He was a bad choice. It just the movie just went every which way. Aliyah was not a was not a bad Akasha. We just I don't know what the heck happened with the storyline.
0: Well, that entire storyline goes every which way. Like that needs to be a series because that story that, goes- that should that's a Netflix series. Yeah.
2: That Netflix, yeah. if you're listening, Queen of the uh,
1: absolute Absolutely. I mean, th- I feel right now Netflix needs to just, you know, take all these great, you know, thick series and make them into into, into one of their shows because yes. that Agreed. deserves multiple. That, ag-
2: that, ag- that deserves the Netflix treatment.
1: Multiple seasons. So Listen, We're not doing vampires right now,
0: people. We are doing fake and zombies. That's what we're doing now. We're not doing damn great. Call me Netflix. Call me <laughs> Okay. So what is your least favorite book of all time?
2: Okay. All right. I, I could give you the Miss America answer. There's no bad books, but I'm going to be honest. Johnny Friggin' Tremaine. That was the bane of my seventh grade existence. They made me read that damn book. I don't know. It's about some kid who's trying to be a back blacksmith in the revolutionary times. And then he, he does something to his hand and it becomes silver. I don't know but oh my God, I had to read it all through seventh grade. And (laughs) while I appreciate teachers and all that crap, let us read graphic novels. Uh, Okay, comics are graphic novels. Comics, graphic novels are literature. Stop with this shoving things down our throats like Johnny friggin' Tremaine.
0: Mm -hmm. You know what's interesting? (laughs) I actually, one of my favorite books of all time, I did read with a required reading list, but... At the same time, my kids never had a required reading list, which was about eight years ago now for them. They didn't have a required reading list, so they could read any novel and write a book report on it.
2: Oh, I wish that was the case. now.
0: I do, and I don't, because um, my daughter read Twilight. Oh. <laughs> and, um, <laughs> Yeah. <laughs> so don't get me wrong. I've read them. I've watched the movies. I've read them really all. From me, but I just went, if we we're looking at trying to get across a point of a degree of a story, trying to teach something underlying it. I mean, not that they shouldn't add modern books in, but I was a little like, um, and she said one of her classmates did 50 shades of gray. And I was like, Oh my, oh my God. God. Fuck is that allowed in school? But you know, and not because I think it's the, you know, a naughty book, blah, blah. I That is my least favorite book that has ever existed on this planet. No, that but, writing is, uh, no, no. Yeah, it's terrible. But I just go, maybe, maybe some parameters, maybe like a few parameters around, like, here's a list yes. of a thousand books that are approved. You can pick one off this list,
1: but... Right, and include genre fiction. Like, I'm a firm believer yeah. that, you know, you, we don't need to be literary snobs. Like, you can have a preference. That's okay. okay. Yeah. You don't, to, you don't have to, like, romance, high fantasy, mm-hmm. whatever. But there is not one true... Like, if you read one type of book, that's the only thing that makes oh, yeah. you a writer or, a reader totally or has, you know, only a certain type of value. Like, they should have categories of genre authors yeah and then have them okay have some older classics and then have some contemporary stuff like you know if i I just
2: like i i did actually really enjoy great expectations like there's certain of the classics i enjoyed but i have to say if you delve into chris claremont his writing he wrote for x-men for marvel for 15 years how that man kept those storylines straight I have to tip my hat off to him, but he does not get the credit as a writer he deserves because he was a comic book writer. He wrote Days of Future Past, which from a comic standpoint, just from a writing standpoint, was a phenomenal storyline, but he wrote The Dark Phoenix Saga, which is one of the best storylines in comics. Mm -hmm. And he just doesn't get the credit he deserved. He wrote for Marvel, like I said, for 15 years, and he wrote several several characters, several storylines, but even some of your best known characters like Wolverine, he did a lot of the changes. Originally, Wolverine was supposed to be much younger. He, his adamantium claws were supposed to be built into the costume. Claremont was the one who was like, what if they came out of him? He's like, what if he was older? And we didn't exactly know. He made all these subtle changes to the character that now you can't imagine Wolverine being anything but what he is. And he just doesn't get the credit he does, but, As much as Stan Lee invented X-Men, Chris Claremont is the one who really honed the X-Men and what we know of. And I think in comics, especially for like that seventh grade, eighth grade, you know, that group of kids, there's so much, there's so many lessons we can get out of graphic novels that I think they could really benefit from. And I just don't think school's, give it enough credit look not that i would want my kid reading the killing joke you know in seventh grade but there is lessons in that that yeah a 10th grade 11th grade i think they could read and i i just think sometimes schools are so much into they should be reading a, to kill a mockingbird okay to kill a mockingbird great book uh, i'm not taking it away but i think sometimes we have to just broaden our expectations and our horizons a little bit
1: well sometimes we forget that you know not every kid every person is different and Mm -hmm. sometimes you need to go with the unique graphic novels to be a gateway to get someone to start reading because like I know in high school like I I appreciate a a poetry but it was not I just in my mind couldn't understand it like I just didn't understand because it's very like there's no rules really I mean there are rules but then there's no rules Mm -hmm. and it's just For me, it wasn't my thing. I hated going through writing essays, but I love writing. But I didn't realize I liked writing until like in college when Mm -hmm. I was writing about the things that I loved. And because I ended up learning how to write, writing about the things I loved, then I learned how to write the things that I was trying to push away from that I wasn't gravitating to as a kid. You know, Mm -hmm. I've I've known plenty of people that we, I, I mean, I'm definitely, you know, to blame for like damning twilight but i know plenty of people who use twilight and were able to enjoy reading because they read that and Mm -hmm. then it opened them up to things that i like and they would never have gotten there without reading Mm -hmm.
0: Twilight. i I have a friend of mine that didn't read um not that she couldn't read but she didn't read all through school and until um she started reading Interview with a Vampire. That was her gateway book into Loved actually it. reading. Mm-hmm.
1: Right. Right. Like I to this day, I have not read Lord of the Rings, though I've seen all the movies and I mm-hmm. love it. Like my gate and my favorite genre to read is high fantasy. And it's mm-hmm. the thing that I love the most to write. Not the only thing I write, but the thing that I gravitate to. And Lord of the Rings is not my gateway into that world. It was Harry Potter. And that's considered urban fantasy. And yes. yeah, it's just like, you know, Star Wars. I know we all damn the prequels. You know, I'm looking at you, Erica, because we talked about this. Like, prequels got me to watch the original because no one in my family watched Star Wars. So I love. I grew, up on, you I grew up on Star Wars. You have a family, you they should all die. Whatever. <laughs> uh, you know what? It's so
2: funny that you bring up Star Wars, though. And I say this because, you know, I always get asked, what are your influences and blah, blah, blah. And I always say, I fell asleep to the sound of Darth Vader's breathing and blasters because as a kid, we had a drive-in movie theater at the bottom of our, uh, of our hill where we lived and my dad, every Friday night would go to watch Star Wars. So I would fall asleep in the back when I would, I would be seven years old and all I would hear is Vader and, you know, lightsabers and blasters. Star Wars was it. George Lucas was the thing. So to me, it was like George Lucas, the Muppets, because every kid watched Muppets. And then, you know, Labyrinth came out. Oh, my God. Labyrinth was like mind blowing for me. Labyrinth, David Bowie, the Goblin King. Uh,
1: It was because of uh, Labyrinth that I learned about David Bowie because, you know, I was born in the 80s. So, you know, I, I didn't know him quite like, you know, like my parents' generation and things like that and how, you know, glorious mm-hmm. it is. And because I was so obsessed with that movie, it was my gateway.
2: To That's what led me into, fan- exactly, Dark Crystal. I learned like Jim Henson, to me, storytelling came from George Lucas and Jim Henson in the sense of good versus evil. It was a clean storytelling system. It was, they, they just, they broke it down into that good versus evil. It was very, very clean and neat. To me, that's where I kind of learned it. So I would say from an an influence, it was Star Wars, like I said, Jim Henson. And then you brought in superheroes and just that comic book. Originally, it was really Linda Carter, Wonder Woman. I got to say, as much as everybody's going to hate me for saying this, Adam West, Batman, because that's what was on the Green Hornet. Mm Because, you know, they were doubled up. They were all in syndication at that time. So you had Batman and Robin and then the Green Hornet. And, I, and Bruce Lee to me was like, Cato was the greatest thing in the world because I didn't really care about Robin. I cared about Cato. In my eyes, Cato never got captured. He got to drive the car and he didn't need any gadgets. He could fight anybody. And then Wonder Woman, you put all those together and I didn't need to read Emily Bronte or and I didn't need to read anything. I was like, these guys are awesome. That was that kind of stuck in my little brain. Right. Superheroes, good versus evil. And now I'm like, I wanna learn more about these comic characters. And I guess somewhere back there before I would ever start writing, that was all in there. And then that kind of paved the way to fantasy. Whether, you know, you know it or not when you're a kid, that's what's in there is those really basic learning.
1: Well, I always get blown away is how people like damn fantasy. But sometimes fantasy is a great way to get people to understand current events, current hard topics to talk about. Mm -hmm. And present them in a way that is a way to have a conversation, you know, just like Harry Potter, you know, talking about mudbloods, that's Mm -hmm. racism right there about a purity of a race, you know, people pure magic, you know, families versus, you know, you know, having, you know, witches and wizards who came from muggle parents, you know, that's racism, you know, and so it always blows my mind, because it's like, everyone wants to vilify Animal Farm, like, it's like the greatest thing, but it's like, animals don't exist that talk, so unless, you know, you know, that's a fantasy right there, that's that, you know what I mean? So it's...
2: X-Men was the best, I mean, you know, Stan Lee specifically did it for that reason, X-Men was a uh, commentary on the civil unrest at the time, it was a commentary on racism, X-Men was right there for the picking, if you wanted to pick up the comic book and really read into it it was right there alex rosted wonder woman spirit of truth where yes. she specifically goes out looking at the world because she does not understand and she saves uh, one of the very first panels is she comes out she float. she flies out of the invisible jet and she lands in a muslim community and she saves a bunch of people and they start stoning her because if you look at her costume you know It's really nothing more than a bathing suit. And they stone her for it. And she's like, wait a minute. I just saved you guys. And now I'm the villain. So she goes and has a conversation with Superman, with Clark. And she's like, I I don't get what's happening. You know, we're saving people. They don't like us. And so he finally says, go out in the world. Yeah. Go out as Diana and just see what's going on. Because she's talking to him as an alien. She's like, look, at the end of the day, you are still an alien. You were raised here. But, and... The whole book is about her experiencing humanity again. Yeah. And for this time, it's so relevant right now with just seeing humanity through a super being's eyes, but experiencing it on that human level and seeking that connection. So sometimes comic books are really a new way of looking at things.
1: Yeah. I mean, I think if like, for instance, if you were trying to write, I mean, the political art, like the U.S. political climate is... Mm-hmm. We're all very divided, right? And sometimes, you know, you try to talk to someone about a specific topic, oh. and you bring it up. Either no matter where you are, right? In the spectrum, your their ears are already going to just they're closed. They're closed. They're, closed. they're not going to listen. They're not going to understand. But if you can take a fantasy world or mm-hmm. a science fiction world or whatever, and you take certain concepts, and I'm not talking about being preachy in a, in a fiction.
2: No, novel. understood. People,
1: you're using the this this create this world you created in a way to not only for you as a like a writer to just kind of make sense of the world, but it's a great way to have conversations with your readers in a way. Because then yeah. it has your reader think, and then, mm-hmm. then when they see things in real life, their way they'll, they'll be like, "Oh, wait a minute! Now I see it. That's wrong. I I now see it from this other way of co- approaching it." And so that's why I, again. I don't damn anyone for whatever they read as long as they're reading. So if you like graphic novels, manga, whatever, it. I mean, go for it, man. That it, 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 it It's a stepping stone to an infinite possibility. It'll
2: open your mind either way.
0: Yeah. You know what one of my favorite um, stories was about this that I think a lot of people don't realize is the first interracial kiss ever broadcast was between Captain oh, Kirk and Lieutenant and O'Hara.
2: O'Hara, O'Hara. yeah. Yep. But and that was, was and they fought for
0: it. Well, they fought for it, but also the studio wanted to rec- have it recorded both ways mm-hmm. and the two cast members kept screwing up the non-kiss version of it so they couldn't get a good so take they couldn't of it, use it. Yeah, thereby forcing them to put the kiss in the the scene. Mm-hmm. It's and, amazing. Yeah, it is amazing, but then that particular show and the broadcast of the show was banned in a lot of areas and I, I'm bringing this back to something you said in a previous episode, watch how intelligently I do that. That's why I'm mm-hmm. the host is mm-hmm. you're talking about, you know, the heat you're getting from the religious sects and stuff like that mm-hmm. on um, mainly the Christians and Catholics on the portrayal of angels and stuff like that in your book. And you, you have to go, there's a point in time, all of us. And I think this is what writers need to take away from this. That could be very instrumental and, maybe philosophical or maybe I'm just drunk um, is that you have to be willing in certain moments to stand up and do something that's uncomfortable. Kind of Mm -hmm. like what you talked about with your name and not changing it to be a potentially gender neutral name, because you have to stand up and go, cool, but fuck off. I'm going to do it anyway. And that might take where you don't have the notoriety of the women that follow you Mm -hmm. doing the same activity But you pave the way so that the viewpoint changes so that you can go, we're going to do this differently. And I think as authors, we need to do Mm -hmm. that and we need to stand by it and be unwilling to buckle down when people say you have to make this change because it's too controversial. You got to go, well, I want to be controversial, so fuck off. Unless you just literally want to throw out novels to make a bunch of money then you're
2: you're doing it wrong
0: and there's an exact script on how you do that and go follow that script. Because otherwise, if you have a voice in the moment, somebody says, I think this is too controversial or you have to do this, you got to go, I don't care. I'm going to do it anyway. And even if I'm the first person and I don't have the level of success, the second or third person will from doing it, I've done it and I've made a difference in the world, however small it's happened.
2: Yeah, I I had to make that decision. And it was I've literally sat across from somebody who said, you're inviting demons into your world by doing this, this and that. And I sat there and went, okay, okay, peace be with you and walked away. And that's what I've had to do because at the end of the day, I'm who I am. I didn't write the book to piss anybody off. I didn't do it to specifically go get somebody. Now, now that you've brought it to my attention and you're all upset and whatever, we'll wait till you see what I do in book three. But, you know, I, it's kind of like, I'm not doing it to get anybody. This is my story. At the end of the day, it is a fantasy book. Let's be very clear. I am not saying this is what happened. Uh, don't take my book as gospel. This is just a fantasy book. And I am saying this is how I think the Fae happened in my Fae world. But it's my Fae world. It's not your Fae world. It's not heaven. It's not hell. It's my fay world. So if I want to portray Lucifer this way, if I want to the, portray the creator this way, this is how I'm doing it because I'm the architect. You can choose to read it or not read it. That's okay. But, you know, I'm not doing it to, you know, and everybody goes, I'm going to be the next J.K. Rowling's, the next George R.R. Martin. Wonderful. You go and do that and peace be with you and go for it. I'm looking to get a house one day, get a nice big yard for my puppies. And hopefully that's as far as, and if I go further, great. But this is where my goal is. Am I reaching for the stars? Yes. Because hopefully if I, if it doesn't work, I'm still landing on the moon. So I'm still somewhere up in space. Yeah. That's where I'm looking. I just want to make some people happy. So when they open my book, they go and get lost in the veil for a couple hours. Yeah. I want to make some people happy. I think that's, that's
1: down with realistic goals. You cannot really? predict how people are going to receive your work. So when you that's say, oh, I'm going to be the next JK Rowling. Jordan I hear that. Rowling. And the thing is, don't time. be wrong. I would love to have that level of success oh, because, of yeah, I mean, I want that. But you cannot control that. No matter what you do, you can't control that. So the only thing you can control is, control is A, did I finish the novel that I intended to <laughs> yeah. write? And am I staying true to myself? Because if you try to replicate someone else's work, you're never. Gonna I don't want
2: it. to replicate anybody. Look, you
1: can't. there's no matter what no. you do, unless you're word for word plagiarizing someone, you will never write like someone else. And that, I don't
2: want to write like anybody else because then yeah. it's not. It's not me.
1: But people assume that if you don't write like that other person, you cannot let you cannot achieve that same level. And like that's not true. People love George R. R. Martin because. When they read his book, it's George R. R. Martin. You read Neil Gaiman, it's Neil Gaiman. They are yep. all so distinctly different. You have to hone in on, like, you as your voice and go with it.
2: The yep. other thing is that they got their stuff out. The thing is, is that the more people who know about your book, the more, su- the more chance of success you're going to have. You can decide to be uh, more of a widespread you know, mass market. It depends. You know, a lot of this is luck. I mean, at the end of the day, we can preach whatever it's luck. I've decided to stick, to keep my name, to not make it gender neutral. I've decided a lot of things good, bad, and different. I don't know. At the end of the day, when I'm dead and gone, the book will still be here. People may pick it up. They might not. I'm just trying to, to, like I said, get my puppies a backyard, Um, you know, And maybe have a little charity for some animals by book two. That's it. If people take offense to the religious aspect of it, they take offense to the religious aspect. I did not set out to to offend people. I knew that it might happen. Did I expect the blowback? No. But it's there. Now, do you want to poke the snake? No. But trust me, they're poking me a little bit. (laughs) They're poking me a little bit. It doesn't mean I will go out now and try to hyper offend people like, Oh, they're offending me. So now I'm going to go out and write it this way. No, I'm going to continue with my voice, continue with my story. That's how I'm going to do it. I just hope that at the end of the day, people pick up the book and they get lost in the in the world I've created and they find enjoyment. And I get that affirmation every day when someone says, when's book two coming out? I can't wait for it. Or are you making a low stuffed animal? Because, God, I, you know, I really need it. Or um, I have one character, Lady Danius, who you meet briefly in book one, but she has her big moment in three. And I put a picture of her out on Instagram and explained her backstory. And I had somebody DM me who asked me, are your fae gay or straight? And I was like, oh, okay. And so I said, actually, my fae are fluid. They fall in love with energy. They don't care about the package it's in they fall in love with energy. They don't really care about gender. So they said to me, that's how I'm going to explain it to my parents tonight when I come out. And I was like, I'm sorry, what? And they, she said, I guess I'm coming out to you. And this is how I'm going to explain it. I fell in love with Lady as The minute I saw her picture and I read her story, her love story between her and General Jaden, it just clicked with me. And I've been trying to figure out how to tell my family. And the minute you said the faith fall in love with energy, not the package, it resonated with me. She said, and that's, can I use that when I tell my family tonight? Oh, wow. And I was like, sweetie, you can tell. Yeah, go, go right ahead. I was like, rock on with your bad self. Like, yeah. you know, two points. And I thought, that's why I'm writing. That's why I'm writing. Because whatever your story is, whether you sell a million copies or a hundred copies, there's somebody out there that's going to hear your story and go, yeah, I know that feeling. I get that feeling. Okay. Yeah. And they're going to take that nugget and they're going to use it in their everyday life somehow. And it's touched somebody. Like I said, whether it touches a hundred people, a million people, I don't know, but that's why you were given this opportunity to write, do what you want to do with it. If it makes you money, great if it doesn't make you money but it touches somebody that might have been the whole reason for this but if you go into this whole thing thinking you're going to be the next george r R. martin you're going to have a series and you're going to do this you're probably not doing it for the right reason
0: no agree it's
2: about human connection and that's it the written word and the emotion have to go hand in hand if they don't go hand in hand it's not organic you have to go in for an organic connection and the rest will flow. If it means you're a millionaire, great. Like I said, me, I'm just looking to make the puppies happy because now I've used their likeness in the book and I probably owe the money in some way, shape or form. They're probably getting lawyers. But that's all I'm kind of, I'm looking to do. And if I can make one person happy or spread some kind of joy for all the negativity I get, I'll take the blowback. But this, I'm calling her a little girl because I, I don't know how old she was. I didn't look up her information, but when she said that to me and she was like, this is how I'm going to tell my family tonight. I was like, I guess I've done something right. What it is. I, I don't know, but if this made her feel comfortable, I, I'll ta- I'll take, you know, the extremists coming after me with pitchforks. Right. It, it's all good. Then well, you know I, what my job is done.
0: I think that's perfect and a perfect way to end off because I do not think we could state it better than that. But I do want you to reiterate how people find you.
2: You can find me at birthofthefay.com or birthofthefay underscore novel on Instagram. Those are the best two places to find me. And then, um, or you can buy the book, Birth of the Fay Locked Out of Heaven on Amazon or Barnes and Nobles. And there's probably some other places you can buy the book, but those are the best two places to buy it. And then we are coming out um, on Skyboat uh, Audio on august 10th and that'll be on audible.com
0: perfect and book two should be later this year or early next year in your 11 book series
2: and yes and we have the title which will be birth of the Fae." thine eyes of mercy which it was queen mary's favorite prayer so that gives you a hint on which queen of england will be showing up in book two
0: Amazing, and you have been thoroughly fantastic and entertaining. Thank you so much for being on the podcast.
2: Thank you so much for having me. I really appreciate it.
0: Absolutely. Okay, this has been Drinking with Authors Literary Briefs. I'm your host, Erica Lance. And I'm Vanessa Valiente. And we will see you next time.